You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Black Hair in the Big Leagues. And honestly, this probably will stream on the Salacious Show as well. I'm your host, Salacious. And I am so happy to sit down with one of my friends. And it's so good. It's so good to see a face that you just already love. You know, like sometimes I have guests on here who are lovely and I'm meeting them for the first time and it's fun. And it, it's a different experience when you're sitting down with somebody who you're like, oh, I've I know you and I already know your spirit. And this is one of those one of those types of friends today um, who also just happens to be a badass. So let's see here. She's a writer. She's a composer and a lyricist. She's an artist, an activist and an entrepreneur. And y'all, she's a playwright. She was recently accepted into the Muse Mentorship Program, where she's mentored by Broadway composers and musicians. Come on, come through. Literally, and she has some stories about that, too, which is so awesome. And during the pandemic, she started um, an interview series called Chasing Beads, which she had me on for. And it was so crazy being like on the other side of it. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I was nervous. I didn't even know how to sit. And I'm like, oh, do I look weird like this? Like, so silly. But she's so, so great. And all right. So my friend today, she's she's so deep. She's so loving. She's a total dreamer, like a but a grounded dreamer, but then also a doer. And hmm, She's an inspiration. So y'all, please help me welcome the writer of This Is Treatment, my friend, Elizabeth Addison. Oh my God, Salisha. I have never had such an excited, enthusiastic, uh, inspirational, actually, uh, welcome into anything. So thank you for just giving me that energy, that energy that you always have. I really, really appreciate it. And, and. I needed it today, so thank you. Oh, I'm so, you. You're welcome, but also like thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you. You look beautiful. I, I this was not even on the dock, but I'm like, what is your hair doing right now? What is are these twists? Are they, what is it? Yes, yes, yes. So I uh, started my natural hair journey like 
many years ago, um, first when I was 19 and then my mom listened to this. I had relaxed hair since I was eight years old. You know, I grew up in a black and Dominican household. Come on. Um, and so like, it was just like straighten your hair. Um, and so for the longest time, all I knew was relaxed hair. And then at 19, something happened and I was like, let me shave it off. And so I called my mother after and you know what happened? She hung up on me. No. <laughs> I think so, my mom would do that as well. You know, but the attachment, the attachment to hair is interesting. And also the, uh, the lack of knowledge around my type of hair, my natural hair as a black woman and as Afro, an Afro-Latina, like not understanding what that, that mm. relationship um, and how, like, when I had the long straight hair, it was like, oh, guys like me more. Gr- some girls like me more. Mm. And then shaving my head and then also being, like, called a he and, like, being just sort of, like, misunderstood um, and feeling as though my beauty was so wrapped up in my hair. Uh, it was really interesting to go through this journey. And then I had relaxed hair again for a little while. And then maybe 10 years ago, I was like, no. And so I kind of just, like, have been going natural ever since. But... Um, what has been challenging is figuring out what to do with my hair and how to do natural hair because it actually, it's a gr- it's liberating to shave off your hair and I've done it millions of times and it's liberating to have a fro and all those sorts of things. But like, I still didn't quite understand how to do my hair in a way that was cost effective and a way that was, that lasted long periods of time um, and that yeah. felt manageable to me. And yeah. so about three years ago though, about three years ago, I started my lock journey and I was like, you know what? It's time to get some locks. And so, yeah. And so I, I will be honest. I was nervous about, well, listen, the first time (laughs) I started, you know, Salisha knows me and now y'all know me. I cannot be anything but honest. And so here we go. And so, um, a few, you know, when I was breaking up with my fiance and we were still living together and all the things were going down, I started my lock journey with like, you know, and when you start your hair just sort of like, and it gets smaller and it just, I did not like it. Um, and so then I took it out uh, because I felt really ugly and what, what I was going through with him. And uh, and then uh, after he moved out and all the things, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get lock extensions. And so I had a fro, right? And then my wonderful loctician Peaches over here in Boston, um, she was like, I could add some just to get you right around here so that you don't have to go through that challenging transition, you know, um, which it's everybody's journey, you know, to right. each their own. But I was Gosh, like, I, that transition. you know, and I was yes. like, right now I just feel so ugly and I need something to feel more secure. And so yes. about three, almost three years ago, she gave me, you know, she gave me some, uh, some, uh, she added on some hair and then I started my lock journey. Now it's been almost three years and like right now it's in twists, but it's long and, and it's, um, and it's mine. And it's also like, oh, I didn't realize that my type of hair could grow these lengths and to do these things, Interesting, you know? It's and so yesterday, I was, Elizabeth. Thank you. Peaches is fantastic here. Peaches natural hair salon. It used to be called Muriel. So you, if you want, if you're in the Boston area and you want to look it up, type in Muriel's. It's on uh, Blue Hill Avenue. Um, but she was just talking about the beauty of our natural hair and the beauty of locks and all that it could do. And now I have found a style that I can manage uh, and that is cost effective for me and that I feel good about. Wait, when did we meet? Ooh, child. Things I are going to get that. easier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Ooh, I don't remember. Like it was when you were 
It was when you were in Trevor, right? Like a little bit after. So was that like 2017, 2018? I'm trying to remember if I met you before your lock journey or if I'm or if it was at the beginning of your lock journey. You met me before because I was also rocking. I was all. Yeah. You before I was also rocking um, braids sometimes. So I'd go back. Yes. As well. Yes. I remember now. I couldn't remember. Um, Also, you said something that I was like, I didn't realize you could take locks out. What is that about? How do you, what? Oh, well you can. And so even like where it's at right now with mine, it might cost you a pretty penny, but my loctician is able to take out locks. I don't know how she does it. I don't know how she does it. But when I did it a while ago, it it was still early in the phase. And so I, it wasn't fully locked yet. So I could take it out. Um, But she actually, I don't know how she does it. She's been doing this since she was a child. Her mother, I, I believe, started the the hair salon. And so like, you could talk to her. She could do all sorts of things, all kinds of things. And also it just looks, it looks so neat. It looks like you just got it done. Like that, how do you keep it looking so, for those who don't know anything about locks or who are thinking about getting them or whatever, preconceived, preconceived notions, whatever, like how do you keep it looking like you just got it done? Did you just get it done? How do you, what? Well, there's a couple of things. So like, I did just get it done, but also, <laughs> um, I, you have to wear, you know, you have to properly, um, hydrate your scalp with certain kinds of oils and such. You have to, I always wear, um, people can't see me. I always wear something, uh, a bonnet and also like head wraps. I wear things over my head every night before I go to sleep. I sleep with a satin pillow. Come on. Case. Come on. Um, and it wasn't, this was nothing I learned when I was younger, you know, it was only just like relaxed hair and that was it. It was, there was no information about like how to protect and how to care for and even introduce the idea of like oil. No, and so the idea of even greasing my scalp back when I was younger wasn't even something in my mind. And now it's like, how do you, it's so fascinating to me because you put some like, you know, some good oil in your scalp and then all of a sudden the rest, like a tree, the rest of your hair gets nutrients and feels better and it feels softer for me at least. And it feels, I was like, ooh. And a friend of mine who's also a writer was like, you know, you think about a tree, when a tree gets some nutrients, it goes, every tree underneath it all is connected to the other ones. And so if it knows that another tree needs some some stuff, it's going to send some stuff to the tree. And I was like, wait, what? They're in communication like that? It's like, it's just, it's nature. And so when I'm like, ooh, all of a sudden, if I feel that my hair is dry, like if I'm touching my locks and it feels dry, and I put a little bit of the, uh, some good coconut oil or jojoba oil or, so, or some sort of oil that Peaches gave me, and then the rest of my, <laughs> my locks, <laughs> they just feel soft and it feels good. And it feels like, oh, this is how, you know, too many times we get under this idea that, well, black hair, quote unquote, doesn't grow and doesn't like all these sorts of things. And it's like, no, yeah. we just have to. We put it in the proper state with the proper things for our particular hair Mm. and it will do beautiful things. Right. Oh, I love that. And also you brushed over something earlier and you know what? The details of it, we don't even need to get into. But I want to mention when you mentioned, oh, something happened at 19 and you shaved your head. I think there's something powerful about when women, when we are going and not just women, but like, but I'm talking about us right now, like when we are going through something or we have a, a shift happening within, in us, something like you don't mess with a woman who just cut her hair or who just mm-hmm. shaved her head. Like that could mean so 
many things. And so it's just like a, I, I, whatever place that was coming from, I just, I'm not even sure what the thought is about it. It's just, I, it's a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I love all of that. And your, your locks look so, they just look so beautiful. So question, when we met, you were in like PR. I, there was an idea for the Trevor musical that just didn't work out. Things like that happen, uh, where they were, uh, looking to sort of do some social media stuff, do some sort of things that would sort of help, um, get more eyes on the musical, uh, and just sort of help do some different social media things that just might engage the audience a little bit more. And so there were some ideas around creating uh, video and sort of like, um, different types of content for their website uh, to help sort of get more uh, eyes on the piece. And so, so I was sort of helping with that. Were you also writing at that time? Girl, I've been writing since I, well, we'll get there, but I guess since I graduated treatment in 2012. So uh, nine months, was it nine months? No, I was nine months sober. So nine months into my recovery, but like I began writing this as treatment. Um, and so I've been trying to get this here show to, bro- the, to the Broadway for a long, for, for that whole time. I remember um, that, you know, the other, this is treatment is happening here in Boston at Northeastern University. In, Congratulations. In Thank you. Um, and I was going through some things to, uh, to send to our community engagement coordinator, people to reach out to, organizations, all the sorts of things. And I realized that there's like a folder of names and names of organizations and producers, theater companies, all sorts of people over the years. I forgot how hard and how much I worked to try to get anybody in the Broadway world to actually care about my musical. Uh, And none of it came, none of it, nothing happened actually. Like all that work was, I wouldn't say that all that work was for nothing because it grew me as a human being. It's why I can be where I'm at today with the mindset that I have today and the drive that I have today. But in terms of like actually getting people to want to engage with my work, it really actually didn't happen. And only recently when I sort of just like let go of, of, I wouldn't say let go of the dream, but let go of my attachment to the Broadway, uh, that things have been coming in a more profound way. And opportunities are coming in a more profound way. Um, but I yes, yeah, I love I've that. Been, <laughs> I've been writing now for nine years. I've always wanted to write a musical, uh, but I just didn't believe that I could because I also didn't see anybody that looked like me who was doing this work. See now that, oh, that is so real. This, okay, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to it. So, okay, okay, okay. What about when you were little? Did you write when you were little? Have you always had a knack for this? Or, or did it come in your adult life, like okay. when you started officially? Yeah. So when I was listen, when I was five, I was a total ham. I was dancing around and singing and all the things, and it was so natural. You know, I have to like, you know, working with students now and working with older people who have issues with um, being in their heads around their voices, around not trusting their physical bodies, around not trusting their voices, around not trusting their instrument as a whole. Um, I've had to go back and look at like, where did I stop trusting this God given gift or this God given thing like music, song, dance, storytelling, that is so natural to just being a human being. We need those things. Uh, there are our medicine. They are the way that we connect with each other. They are beautiful gifts. But as soon as we, 
is the word commodified, uh, or as soon as we took it and made it into a competition or started making money off of it, which fine, yeah. commercializing fine. it. Yeah. As soon as we did that, it became like, this one's better than this one. Who, and like, then you see like this sort of crabs and a bear mentality of I can be the only great one and I need to win a Tony. A Tony is a piece of metal. Listen, I wouldn't mind winning a Tony one day because of the doors that it could open because I want more black and brown people uh, to know that they, this is possible for them and to make that money and to get into those rooms. Put it and, out there, Elizabeth. And it's a piece of metal and it means nothing ultimately. It Only the meaning that you happy. put onto it. Only the meaning that you put onto it. I remember I've been, t- I've talked to some beautiful people within the community, some composer, lyricists, actors, directors who have won a Tony. I was actually at a, a person's house, a producer's house uh, before the pandemic. And um, when I came into his home, he had a, 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 a cabinet or something, whatever it's called, full of Tony Awards. <laughs> and he was like, you want one? And I was oh, like, <laughs> you know, but it's like, and, and then talking to another uh, person who's won a Tony and they were just like, after the lights went off and after whatever, it was just like, oh, that was it, you know? And so it's oh. a great, it's a great moment and it could mean a lot of possibilities for your career, but let's get right-minded about it because it's not the thing that defines us. It's not going to make or break us if we mm. don't allow it to. Um, it is a thing that we can say, look, this is something that happened in my life at this time, but let's also not conflate this sort of idea that it means we are the best of the best and you suck and you like, I hate yes, this. Sort I of am better than you kind of thing. I'm better than you. Yeah. So let's we're not on this planet and <laughs> there's a lot of illusions happening, which we've talked about this before. Yeah. We're it's everything is one big illusion. Yeah. It's man-made. And if it's man-made and you know, listen, I'm a spiritual person to each their own, believe what you choose to believe. Um, uh, love really is my religion realistically um, because I believe God is love. Um, and so to me, a lot of the things that we see around us are made up, right? And so we made up the Broadway. We made up like these governments, these systems, all of it's made up. It's all even made language, up. Even language, even the, you know, because if we, as we're talking, uh, I'm connecting more to your energy and towards like what I'm receiving from you, more so than the language that you're saying, the thing, the words that are coming out of your mouth, you know? Um, and if we can sort of identify that and see that with a right mind, um, then it's like, oh, well, that that's empowering because I also can choose to ascribe meaning to whatever I choose to ascribe meaning to. Um, and I also can make up my own shit. Do you know? Like there are no right? boxes. There we are no limits. We can make up our own. Yes. Create our own worlds. We're completely. We're already doing it. We just have to be more intentional about it. We can, like, we... We see people who are rich and famous and on the TV, like making these creations in in a very big way. And we're like, oh, it seems like so far away. But you're right. We can also create our own world. (sighs) My brain. But even still, Salisha, because like, you know, I think that and again, I will always go back to this is just my belief. Y'all choose whatever you want to believe, whatever sits right with your spirit. Um, but I believe that there are assignments for all of us, right? And so my assignment may not necessarily be 
being on TV and winning all the Oscars and becoming an EGOT winner and like <laughs> getting a genius grant, though I don't believe in genius, um, or getting like whatever. I, that may not be mine. Mine may be like doing the work at Northeastern and being in with the students or creating a new curriculum, creating a new way of theater making so that we, because this is something that's on my brain, that's in my heart, is creating where the theater aspect, the art itself, the research so that we can like provide qualitative and quantitative data around the efficacy of this work so that we can say, hey, y'all, the arts and community engagement actually help change hearts and minds. And so therefore now, can we get some money into arts education? Can we get some money into yes. mental health? And can we get yes. some money into recovery? Can we get some money into these black and brown communities who have been disproportionately affected by X, Y, and Z? Like the arts can do that. I believe the arts are a God-given gift a way we can reflect back, a mirror that we can hold up and, totally. and, and like, here, here's our, here, I'm giving you back your humanity. This is ours. Let's get rid of any kind of dehumanization bullshit by way we put you on a, on a pedestal or we think that you're less than or any of it. All of it's dehumanization. Yeah. We are just human beings and the arts can, can uh, provide a way to uh, remember the truth of who we actually are. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. I, I love, love, love all of that. You introduced a book to me called. A Course in Miracles. A Course in Miracles. Mm -hmm. And I've started, I'm not deep in it, but I've started reading it and it's very interesting. <laughs> but the, I, of course, it's, if it's the right pathway for you, you will know it's the right pathway. Some people find the Quran or some people find, you know, find the Bible. Um, although the course references a lot of things in the Bible. Um, some right. people find different, people find Buddhism. People find uh, all different sorts of pathways to uh, universal spiritual truths, universal truths, which is that love and forgiveness and um, being of service uh, and thinking about the oneness of, of uh, that we are more one and we are more like than than um, than we are, we are more like than we are different, you know. Like and and the course just approaches approaches it in a metaphys a metaphysical. Excuse me, let me say that again. A course just approaches it in a metaphysical, psycho spiritual sort of way. So it introduces the ideas of metaphysics um, with like the psychological. Um, and it just, for me, it is like my path, uh, because it sort of strips me of like, part of the work of it is like deflating your ego and acknowledging the ego for what it is, which is, it can be just a very dangerous voice in our head that actually isn't the truth of who we are. Dangerous. And what did you tell me? You were like, anything real cannot be threatened. Anything that, th that is threatened anything isn't unreal. real. What is it? Yeah, anything anything real cannot be threatened. Anything unreal does not exist. Therein lies the peace of God. That is the opening of the thing. And so it's not, it's not, it's sort of like, and it talks a lot about atonement and it talks a lot about like sort of, we have to look at all of our shit, right? We have to get, really investigate and look at our thinking and our behaviors and all those sorts of things and then get rid of all the things that keeps us away from the truth of who we are. And the truth of who we are through the course is that we are children of God and that we are love, right? And that we are here for each other. We're here to be in community with one another and to get rid of anything within ourselves or to be able to at least look at it so that we're not, so that we can move from the darkness into the light, understanding that at our core, 
at the very core of who we are, which is spirit, right, is is love and innocence. And, you know, if you look at everybody in the world, it's like the course would look at it as like, you know, it's a calling. When you see fear, when you see attack, when you see judgment, when you see anxiety, when you see all this stuff at the root, it's a call for love, you know? Um, and it's a, it's a, oh. a forgetting of who we actually are. All of the stuff that we see, all the money, all the, all the war, all the, the government stuff, all of that stuff is like, it's an illusion. It's not, not that it's not real in its effects, not, a, not that it's not real in this reality, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the truth of it, the truth of it is not, is based on nothing. It's all it's not, made it's up. Yeah. It's like, we done did this. We, we got into our, some sort of crazy thought that one, we could be separate, separate from each other and separate from God. And that things outside of ourselves would actually fill this spiritual void that we think that we have. And it's not the truth. Nothing outside of yourself is ever going to make you fully happy. Wow. Like you are in charge of that. You you are not um, you are not necessarily responsible for some of the shit that has happened to you. You know what I mean? Like, Wait, I want to pause not. right there. Oh, you said no, no. You just said something that is so real. Like I just got engaged literally days ago and I have dated all over, the, like literally all over the country. And there was something, I had a void for most of that. And it's funny mm. how when I wasn't whole, I couldn't find anybody else who was like yeah. it just never felt f- like all the way fulfilling and you know when Andrew came into my life like he is very self-sufficient he don't need me and guess what so am I I don't need and I've got two whole people who have found like it has taken me 30 years to find this within me but like w- when you ha- when you find that like the lo- it's coming from within it has I finally attracted somebody to me who it's like, let's be happy. We don't like need anything from each other, but we just choose to love each other. It's like, that's it. Something very, that's it. yeah. Something powerful with that. Well, Finding you know, and of course it would talk about like you just as you are a whole perfect and complete, right? Like at the, at, at the very core of you, you're whole perfect and complete, right? So you don't need anything. You, you need nothing. Right. And when you need nothing, it's almost like saying into the universe, like, oh, I have everything I need. And so the universe will keep providing everything that you need in terms yes. of because you have it. It's the law of attraction, attraction stuff. Yes. Too, yes. Right. The course would talk about it in terms of like, and I am early in my course study. So those, anybody that listens that has been on the journey for a long period of time, I may, you know, I'm still only like a year and a half in. Um, but it would talk about like, the, our ability to create as God, right? We are created in his image, right? And so our, we can create the world. We can extend our love. We can, but we can also use it in service of that which isn't true. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And so it's sort of like, and again, I go back to, we are not responsible for some of the things that have happened to us, but we are responsible for our own, our own healing, Right. We, we have to be. That's that's the place of power, you know, uh, staying in in victimization, staying as though I, you know, look what the world has done to me. That will only keep you there. 
right? And I'm saying this as a person in long-term recovery from substance use disorder, um, addiction, and mental health issues. And I'm coming up on my 10 years of recovery. Uh, wow. Congratulations. And this has been a long, thank you. This has been a long journey of self-discovery of like really going inward. It's been very hard, you know, from traumatic childhood to the trauma of addiction to like all these sorts of things. And it's like, I am not fully responsible, you know, for a lot of these, a lot of things. And I am responsible for Elizabeth today. I'm, a, I'm responsible for my experience in this thing called life right? I'm responsible for how I react, how I respond, how I show up. You know, I cannot leave my well-being in the hands of anybody else. It is mine. How much of this is in what you wrote? This is treatment. And have you ever been like afraid to like share it? Well, you know, this is vulnerable. This is like, this is, you know, like this is yeah, I mean, so so this is treatment is a story about the roller coaster ride that is addiction treatment, and it is loosely inspired. It is inspired by my time of treatment. I lived at a treatment facility here in Boston for one year. I I went, you know, I went away, and um, because you know my drug of choice is alcohol, and alcohol is everywhere, right? Everywhere. Um, Everywhere. And we we have this weird idea that it's not as dangerous as it is, but it's such a dangerous drug. It's the one drug that when you're detoxing, you could die from the same as benzo, not the one drug, but benzodiazepam and alcohol are the ones you can die from if you don't properly detox. Um, Alcohol affects all the parts of your, yeah, alcohol affects all the parts in your body. Like it just hits everything. And so I was dying by the end of my addiction. Um, I knew that if I didn't stop, I would end up, I would be dead by 30 because I was drinking so much. I was drinking almost a gallon every like two or three days of vodka. Oh, right. Okay. I was drinking a lot. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And my body is under the table. That's- my body was failing. Right. And so, uh, a voice in me. So I wanted to be, wow. I wanted to be like, I wanted to be like Lin-Manuel Miranda. Okay. So when I, in 2010, the documentary for the, in the Heights, uh, for in the Heights came out and I would watch it like in the darkness of my room, like all the lights were out, the, the drop, the, uh, blinds were drawn. And I was, I had my bottle of vodka and I would watch this and, you know, on the days where I was, I, I was coherent enough or like able to like, actually, because I blacked out a lot. I blacked out practically every day. Um, and I can't even so the, picture this. It's I've, interesting. I've not no, met this person. Right, right. And like, if you would have, which is, which makes me sad for the way that we treat some folks and call folks out when um, it's just our ego sort of going crazy. Um, when people are sick, uh, they need compassion and kindness and understanding. And though you may have to like keep them at an arm's length, uh, kindness and compassion can go a long way. I was called sick. I was called crazy. I was called all sorts of names. Um, and then that just contributed to my own delusion, my own illness of like, I'm just sick. I'm just an alcoholic. I'm just this, I'm just that. And I was literally going crazy. I was hearing things. I was having night terrors. I was like, my body was failing me. You know, I looked like I was going to die soon. Um, and so, but, uh, the dream as a child, uh, when I was so 
I took piano lessons at five, but I wasn't really good at any of it. And then like I sang and danced, and I took dance class. And then when I was 13, I saw Rent and Rent Come on. made me think that I, you know, I wrote a song about it. Uh, Rent made me, it planted the seed of like, oh, you want to do this one day, but you're going to write a story about your life. And at the time, uh, we were experiencing really challenging things at home because my father's addiction was out of control and it was just really, really a bad time. And so it made me go, you're going to write a show about your life. But I thought it was going to be that about that specifically. I didn't realize that I was going to end up becoming uh, an alcoholic and having to go through what I went through to then find my story. Whoa. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, but watching uh, that in the Heights documentary uh, was like, you want, you want what that guy has, you know, and nobody knew Lynn in the way that they know him now, uh, but you want what he has and all those other people have. And if you don't get sober, if you don't get well, you will never have it. And so it took a little bit of time. It was like a year after I was introduced to that documentary and watched it a zillion times uh, that I finally went to treatment because I wanted to be like him. And though I didn't, you know, in getting sober, the the voice of doubt is still like, wait, you actually can't do that. You can't write a musical. Maybe you can figure out how to write a play. I had never written a play. I had never written a musical. I had never written a friggin' song, right? Oh my <laughs> gosh. So, so I mean, and, and also like I didn't go to college and I didn't do good in school and I didn't like do well in any kind of you know, music or act. Well, I did okay in acting or, but like voice, any of the things that I'm doing now. Well, I was okay at acting. I was okay at acting. But but like, I just, you know, everybody else was so much better than me and so much more talented than me and all this stuff. And so when I decided to write the musical, I decided to write it in February of 2013. I was nine months sober. I had no idea what what I was doing, but a voice in me was like, um, just take a leap of faith, have a bit of hope. The answers will come this much. I know. And that's what I heard, you know, just show up. And so the, an idea, a producer, a young producer, 21 years old was just like, you have all these songs in you. Cause I was doing some spoken word for him. And I was just like, uh, no, I don't. And I got so mad at him. Cause I was like, how dare you see the thing that I want so badly, but I can't do. Um, but his little thing, just like, he's like, just write some, find a melody, find a melody and you'll find your, your song essentially. Um, and so I would sit at the piano and try to figure out for three weeks, I would try to figure out like, well, what is this? I, my ear is good. So what is this? What am I doing? I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I would pray all the time. So I'm like, God, I don't know what, I'm just going to keep showing up and maybe something will happen. And then three weeks later of just showing up every day at a piano for an hour a day, um, I had one minute and 58 seconds of music and it's actually still on my SoundCloud and it was just music because that's how me, that's how it comes to me first. Music opens up the world to me. I can only fully, truly see when I'm playing music, right? Like that's when mm. the world comes alive. So even in rehearsals right now, I'm like, we're talking about blocking cause I'm co-directing the musical with my friend and colleague. And I'm like, wait, we got to play some music. We got to play the music so that I can fully see it. Um, and some, I had one minute, 58 seconds, and I ran around uh, the studio that I was at uh, where I was playing the piano, and, and uh, somebody that worked there listened to the music, and they said that it was good. And because they said it was good, I'm where I'm at today, because somebody gave me permission. Two people in the span of like one month gave me permission. And I listen to it now. And when I go to my SoundCloud, if I listen to that one minute, 58 seconds, I'm like, damn, Elizabeth, from that thing, you thought you could do all of this. I was like, yep. Somebody like, gave you permission, which 
in retrospect, do you still like, you don't need. No, but like, here's where, here, here's where I think God shows up. I'm like, if, if you have enough awareness and if you are like listening, right. God will put people into your life. Even if for a moment, the thing that I was writing for that producer, it never panned out. I was actually too old to participate. They just didn't realize I was too old to participate in the program that he was doing. But that few, that day that he told me X, Y, and Z, that was God being like, here you go. That here, he, he's put here for a reason and now he's gone. Like after that, there was like hardly any, like anything. It was just like that moment. And being in that dance studio, because I, I volunteered at a dance studio, I was like, I need to be around more artists. Was like, I wasn't around like musicians, uh, like uh, other than like African drummers. And I wasn't around vocalists and I had such problems with my voice. I was around just dancers. And so I could go into a studio and not feel any type of way, not feel nervous about what I was doing. I was just playing the piano, you know? And like that, that gift of finding that space where I can go to and meeting some of these people it was just like, oh, here, here, I'm giving you what you need to start this journey that will forever change your life. Mm. This is mm-hmm. so beautiful. So you're putting this musical up right now. Yeah. How's it going? Yeah. So it's go. It's interesting that like I said to the cast and I said to my colleague the other day, I'm like, it's so interesting to like still not have like any college degree, still not really be particularly like I have, I send my music to somebody and they transcribe it for me because I don't notate. Right. Um, I've just gotten garage band. And so now I'm like, Ooh, I hear all these things. Woo-hoo! And like, and I just got into BMI for the book writer program. Um, and I started that this past fall. Congrats. And it's sort of weird. Thank you. It's sort of weird to sort of be in this space like Berkeley, like Boco at Berkeley, so Boston Boston Conservatory at Berkeley reached out the other day and was like, "Can we 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 need to we want to purchase your script and vocal selections for this treatment?" And I was just like, <laughs> "I was like, what?" And then another organization was like, "And I'm like, wait, would I even get into your college? Like, you know what I mean?" My gosh, <laughs> like that is so teaching, cool. It's so weird. So now, like teaching students in university, like like having my show license, like and just it's like wow, everyone believes that I actually am a musical theater writer. Oh wait, I am, I am right. And so now the show, which is it is personal, and it took me up until last year to finally find the heart of my main character. Because if you're writing a main character who is inspired by you, who you do not love, then you cannot write them honestly and authentically oh. and with love, right? And so the healing journey of writing this is treatment, you know, once Broadway got out of the way and it became about like, what do you need to see, Elizabeth? And, and within that, what do other folks that look like you need to see? We need to see that we can heal. We need to see that we have joy and that we have fun and that we can look at all the shit and get through it together in community. We need to know that I will say this, like, no, the arts are not the only are not necessarily the, the only way to heal in the sense of people be like, I write. And I'm like, well, write and go to therapy and find some sort of spiritual something and like, you know, cover your bases in different directions. Um, But writing the song Chasing Bees, for example, which is in the musical, um, is a very simple, it's a very sweet, but I could not write that song until last year. Uh, Until, no, until the end of 2020. I could not write that song until then because there was no way, I had no love for Elizabeth who dealt, who had experienced so much trauma as a kid. I had no love for Elizabeth who had experienced 
the addiction that she did and all the bad shit that happened to her. I had no love for that human that was so broken and so sad and so depressed and who wanted to kill herself on a regular basis. I had no love for that person. And because I couldn't do that, my show suffered for years. You know, I would write like traumatic shit and people would say like, oh, we love all these different characters, but who's Grace? Who's the main character? We don't care about Grace. Uh, we're more interested in this one. And it felt painful to have a character that is supposed to be inspired by you and nobody care about them. Wow. Oh, but you didn't care about them. You didn't love them. Because you didn't. You wrote them. And I wrote them. Wow. Oh, you know, I I love that time that I um that you had me do one of the readings. Um, of your of your show and Nicolette Chloe right wasn't she, one of the readings she was playing she was Grace yeah 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 that's so cool wait wait I'm think I'm just saying her um Instagram name um Nicolette Robinson yes that is so awesome Elizabeth like you are doing the thing like you are like you say I am it felt yeah. so powerful hearing you say I am a writer I am yeah. like, I am a composer. I am, you are. And I it's, am. And it's, it's fascinating to think about like how long it took. Cause also the imposter syndrome, which is also not even real. I'm like, wow, that's not even, I'm like creating these ideas in my head based off of what other people say, but they're also full of shit. Like it's all, you know, who said that only a white person or a man could like, write musicals and get to wherever and like has the authority over X, Y, and Z. That's bullshit, you know? Yes. Um, but like, it took a while to sort of be like, no, I write musicals. Like I've written three, right? Like, so yeah, well, girl, it's a whole story for another time, but like, this is what I do and I love it. And I love, and eventually I, I, I'll be a teacher and I'll end up being probably an expressive arts therapist, <laughs> you know, cause I love utilizing the arts in this way and spirituality in this sort of way um, to sort of help others find their own voice and find their own way. What does it mean to you doing everything that you're doing as a black woman? Well, you know, I will say that like, it's interesting because, you know, now, okay, I have a bunch of different feelings because on one end, people will say, oh, the, this black show written by this black woman. And in a way that feels like they're sort of putting me in like a box of sorts, like that, uh, like how about it's just a human story written by a person who happens to be black, right? Like it's just a human story that yeah. happens to have a main character who is black, you know? And so for me, I'm always thinking about like, what are ways to further bring us together and stop this whole culture of dehumanization by where I'm either, you're either putting me on a pedestal or you're putting me like as less than, either I'm superhuman or subhuman. How about I just be human, you know? Because uh, I, I don't wake up every day and go, oh my God, I'm black. How am I going to walk the world today? You know, like, <laughs> you know? And I feel like sometimes people think that way. And so I'm open to the opportunities that are coming because that means that more folks from different backgrounds, from different area codes, from different, like all sorts of different people, I'm all for actual real, true inclusivity, um, are going to get opportunities. And I think it feels great to sort of, you know, I think the thing that makes me feel the best about this whole thing is when I can, when a young black woman is playing Grace 
and actually like sees herself in some bits of it or like knows that, oh wait, no, thoughtful, caring, you know, characters through that whole meal, like Grace is a meal for any actor to play um, because she is so complex. Like, wow, this was created with me in mind because it was also created by someone who looks like me. That feels more special to me now than anything specifically about me, you know, because I'm just, to me, I'm just being used by that which is greater than me in service of love. And part of extending love to me is utilizing the gift that is the arts to build bridges and connect humans together and just see one another. So as a black woman, it's, it's, it's amazing. But I think I get more joy out of seeing other younger or other black women engaging with this work and feeling seen and heard and valued. Can I tell you what like you being in this position means to me? Yeah. Yes, please. I have always like in the back of my mind wanted to write and I've like started dipping my toe into it. And like I I have dreams that I'm like I can't even utter out loud right now. But seeing you and seeing how like you are me, I am you, like I Hmm. see you, you are that person to me. I am the little girl in the audience, Elizabeth, Hmm. like you're writing this, you're doing stuff with it. Your stuff is being bought by colleges that you're like, would I have even gotten in here if I applied like this? That's amazing. What you're doing is amazing. You're literally, re- literally rewriting the script <laughs> and watching you do it in your full glory, taking your story, not being a victim to your story and using it to help others, to inspire others, to, to open up the world for others. Like your whole life, is on purpose. None of it was a mistake. None of it was by accident. And the fact that you lived through it is proof of that. It is all for a greater purpose, way bigger than you. And you are touching so many lives who you have no idea even. That is what you are doing. That is what you being alive is doing. Hmm. It's, oh, Salisha, I received that. Thank you so much for saying that. Um, it's, uh, I think, you know, for the first few years of writing this treatment, it was about proving that my life was worth saving. And compare, you know, there's so many people, just this last year, 100,000 people have died from drug overdoses. Just this last year, you know, mental illness in the black and brown communities are on the rise, suicide is on the rise, um, all these sorts of things. And, you know, I, I sometimes, early on, it, be, it was about like proving something, proving my worth, finding my way into the Broadway world and like getting my show to Broadway. And it was all sort of ego driven because I had to prove that my life was worth something and that you finally somebody tell me that I was worthy. Somebody tell me that I was enough. Somebody tell me that I was good. Somebody validate me. And over the last couple of years, it's gone from that into being more of service. Now, don't get it twisted, friends who are listening out there. I still want to get paid for my shit. But... <laughs> But it's become more than that. I get to be used in a in a way that for me feels more right, feels more uh, spirit led, God driven and guided, uh, love led. You know, may loving thought prevail is my prayer almost every day. Um, and may I be used, use me for the greater good. And if my ooh, I'm getting emotional. 
if my art can be that and can help heal the world in some way, I have no idea what the ripple effect of this work will be, but it feels so much better and it feels so much more divine to say that I'm being used in service. It is not about my ego. It's not about getting someplace and, and people loving and adoring me and like clapping for me and getting awards. It's like, no, will the next one see this and be able to feel like I can do it too, whatever way that looks like for me, you know? And therefore, can I, how do I be of service? How do I walk the world with love? How do I build community? How do I see another as myself? How do I give? How do I forgive? How do I forgive myself? How do I just sort of walk in the light, understanding that the darkness may be there, but I don't have to live there? Mm. Elizabeth, I <laughs> love you so much, and I have enjoyed you so much. Thank you for coming on. How can people find you? How can they find your work? Like, um, So uh, you can follow me on Instagram at elizabeth.addison3. Uh, you can also look at the Facebook This Is Treatment LLC page. And you can also email me at elizabeth.addison at thisistreatment.com. I love it. Um, thank you so much. I love, Thank I just love so getting much. to talk to you. You you touch my heart every time we talk. Mm, the feeling is mutual. I'm so grateful for this experience today, Salisha. It really made my day. So thank you. <gasps> Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, see ya. Bye, Salisha. And that wraps another episode of Black Hair in the Big League. Y'all, I'm so honored to have such great guests on this show. And if there's somebody who you want to listen to, please drop me a note on my Instagram at Salisha Thomas or at Black Hair Podcast and slip into those DMs and let me know what you want to hear, who you want to hear from. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast, rate it, leave a review, tell a friend, follow us on Patreon at Black Hair in the Big Leagues. Y'all, I am so grateful that you are part of this community. It would not be the same without you. <laughs> Shout out to Wilton Music for producing my theme song, Love COD. Shout out to Colin Tabor for editing this episode and most of these episodes. And shout out to you for listening. Y'all, my heart is so big and I feel so grateful. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Black Hair in the Big Leaks. I'm your host, Alicia Thomas. See you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.